0: So this episode of my podcast is all about mindfulness and I speak to a friend of mine, Michelle Butler. Now Michelle, I've known her for many many years but we lost contact. Um, We used to work together and at the very beginning of my photography career her husband Pete was instrumental in in kind of igniting my passion for photography as he he taught me Photoshop and all about post-processing and it really captured my imagination. And then many years later I was kind of digging myself out of the rut that I'd got myself into. And I'd moved out to the middle of nowhere in the countryside, and I was crossing the road. And I heard someone calling my name, and it was Michelle. And funnily enough, uh, Michelle um, has become a mindfulness practitioner. She has her own story about why she got into it, and how she kind of um, embraced it, and how it ignited something in her, just as it has done with me. And um, since then, we've had many conversations about it and uh, she's written a guest post on my blog which you should check out and now finally after about two years of talking about doing it we finally sat down in her kitchen and had a conversation about mindfulness so we we talk about um, how she got into it the kind of incidents and uh, situations that led up to her discovering it And we also get into topics like neuroplasticity and uh, how to be in the moment, which is absolutely fascinating stuff. If you know Dr. Joe Dispenza, you will know about this already. But if not, then you should um, have a listen to our conversation. We go off on many, many tangents and we could have gone on for probably another three, four, maybe even ten hours of conversation about this because it's so interesting. But we had to call it a day after about an hour because you know there's there's just not enough hours in the day are there and we have other lives to lead but um yeah great conversation we had i really hope you enjoyed this chat with michelle we mentioned my book a few times among other books it is still available that's do the thing have the power it's on amazon and uh, wherever else you get your good books from you can also check out my other books shine manifestos my most recent one and then there's a collection of my writings called outpost so um In the meantime, uh, while you're going online and ordering all those books for your book collection, um, have a listen to me and Michelle talking about mindfulness. Okay, so Michelle, Michelle Butler, thank you very much for... um, Being on my podcast, we've probably tried, spent about a year trying to organise this. (laughs) We we started it a few weeks ago and then we got interrupted by the window cleaner and (laughs) the man came to clean the gutters and then we just ran out of time and it (laughs) has been quite stressful sorting it out but we finally, I've managed to gatecrash your your house this time (laughs) and uh, yeah, we're we're finally doing it. And um, the reason I wanted to get you on the podcast is because um, you're a mindfulness practitioner, suppose that's one way of Mm -hmm. putting it yeah and we used to work together many years ago and then I was crossing the road one day I just moved out to the country and I was crossing the road and suddenly you appeared after what 10 years? Yes it was
1: most bizarre. Yeah and
0: I just moved to this random little village in the middle of nowhere (laughs) and there you were (laughs) and uh, our paths sort of crossed but they diverged in terms of mindfulness as well Absolutely. and I'd be wanting to do something about mindfulness on the on the podcast for Ages, mm-hmm. so it seemed perfect to get you to chat to me.
1: Well, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> well, no, I'm just, I'm just so glad
0: that you're you're up for it. So, um, so yeah. So, for anyone who doesn't know what mindfulness is, how do you describe it? I, I
1: always struggle with a, a uh, nice I think neat everyone definition. Everyone has different definitions, don't they? But they do. Um, I the the, the, the most well known definition is the. John Kabat-Zinn definition, who is a well-known practitioner, teacher in the mindfulness world, and he um, describes it as um, thinking in a certain way with awareness and without judgment. Okay. So I think I've got that slightly wrong and it'll probably be the exact terminology will come to me later, the exact quote will come to me later yeah. but it, it's basically mindfulness for me is the opposite of mindlessness okay. so if you are um, if you are going through your life just not ever being aware of your surroundings, locked in your thoughts, locked in your head, Um, you're not being mindful. Mindful is about bringing awareness to what's going on in your mind and in your body.
0: So, like, mindfulness is huge for me, Mm -hmm. it's very important for you, Mm -hmm. and for millions of people around the world, but there are a lot of people who... We'll never hear about it. Mm. We'll kind of dismiss it as kind of spiritual nonsense mm. and we'll seem to get on fine without it. Why, mm. why do you think it's so important for some people, yet other people just seem to kind of carry on?
1: Well, regardless? I think, you know, life is very stressful for a lot of people these days. Um, you know, I can only speak for myself. I mm. came to it having known nothing about it in 2014.
0: So you actually wrote about, you did a guest blog post on my, I did. On my blog.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so what's your story? There that, that was an incident, wasn't there, that led yeah. you to kind of anxiety and some struggles with that?
1: Absolutely. I think I'd probably been struggling with anxiety for a time and because of the mindlessness. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really noticed it. I hadn't I had an awareness of what was going on. I just was, as one does, just sort of carrying on with life and sort of pushing it aside. And there was an incident in August 13, which is really, um, was, was really not the trigger point, but the point where I thought this kind of isn't normal. Yeah. Um, and I was um, living up in Surrey and we had a celebration and we let off some Chinese lanterns with my family who were down from Yorkshire in the, in the garden. And they came down, and to me, they still looked alight. Oh, so and you saw them coming I saw them so these coming things went down. Up. They went up.
0: So they're the things that you, you kind of, they're made out of paper.
1: Absolutely. You,
0: you light the middle of them and they float up. And they float up. And then they come back
1: down. And they come back like, down, yeah. obviously not lit. Yeah. So one came down in next door's garden and landed in their bin, a light. Oh, so it was alight. <laughs> light. It was alight. Okay, yeah. Um, and we put that out. And then the other one, we didn't see where it went, and one landed in the woods. And I spent the whole evening panicking about mm-hmm. it, to the point where I made my sister climb through brambles and thorn bushes up in a private woodland space and was she kind of just doing it to hume you basically yes because she was pretty convinced that they were out when they came down but I was convinced that they weren't yeah and I started doing the catastrophizing I couldn't sleep that night we found one in the woods hadn't done any damage we didn't find the other one okay so in your mind that was somewhere just smoldering away smoldering and in and and I started catastrophizing that what happens if the woods burn down and then what happens if somebody's house burns down and then yeah. what happens if that's my responsibility and I've got, you know, somebody dies because of it and it, it, it really got out of hand and I woke up the next morning, everybody had obviously forgotten about said mm-hmm. lanterns and the first thing I did was go on the internet and ironically there had been, in Box Hill, which is nowhere near where yeah, I am, yeah, yeah. there had been... Um, uh, a, a fire for some other reason, nothing to do with a Chinese lantern and um, so my immediate thought, was, oh my God that's that, that's that, that's the lantern that that's my yeah. fault and it wasn't until I read the article I thought oh, it'd be ridiculous to no, know this is miles and miles and miles away and it was for something else. but I had got myself into such a state about it mm-hmm. and I at that point I kind of realized that my catastrophising and my anxiety was getting out of control so
0: you'd always kind of struggled with anxiety and this was the tipping point
1: I had struggled with anxiety over the years so as a child I used to a teenager I used to have have panic attacks if I had to do any public speaking I had I used to get really panicky I had a bit of a a meltdown once when I had to do some reading in an English class and it was so obviously in those sort of formative years of your you know your your, your sort of teenage secondary school years when everything's about how you look and you know not not sticking out and you know um I had a bit of a meltdown and from there on in I used to avoid public Hmm. speaking wherever I could I mean it really did affect me in terms of anxiety
0: because it's funny because whenever I mean I worked with you it was long before the incident with the the Chinese mm, lanterns, mm. Um, but you always struck me as confident. You know, in, mm. in control of everything, mm. well organized. I mean, you were uh, an account manager at this agency we worked together at, and you were just always on the ball. Mm. Just, you seem to be the, the only person with a calm. Mm. You know, what's the poem like? If you can keep your head while the world around you is losing mm. theirs, mm. the world and everything in it is, is mm. yours, my son. No, and you right. seem to be the, the person keeping their head and everything. So well, it's the um, it's
1: the it's the the swan.
0: Yeah, before, isn't, it? isn't it? Yeah, with the legs going exactly, crazy
1: under Exactly. And I yeah. think over the years, I obviously had managed to kind of find ways around that and mm-hmm. obviously get but over... just
0: battle through it. And
1: battle through it and get over elements mm. of it as well as I as I got older. Fundamentally, only since I've been doing my mindfulness training have I been, or my mindfulness practice, should I say, mm. and my teacher training, I've been able to hold sessions with people my tech I mean I can talk about that later but my techniques that I use for breathing mm-hmm. and calming have allowed me to get over that anxiety about public speaking which harks back to being 15 years old and I'm 47 now yeah. so it's taken me god knows how many years you know 30 30 years to kind of get through that and it informed a lot of choices I made it informed the degree that I did because I wanted to do marketing I didn't do that because mm-hmm. there was lots of presentations and things in marketing isn't
0: that funny that just it actually had an influence on everything your, your life path, my, my life path yeah.
1: exactly so um yeah so I had so I'm trying to think why I got into this subject I so I had had various periods of up and down
0: yeah
1: anxiety um mainly under control but at that point, I, I'd never had a situation like that before, where you know it was totally irrational fear. Yeah, uh, that's the only way I can describe it. Before my anxiety had been to do with sort of what I would call normal fears that people would have. A lot of people have fears about giving presentations in, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, in front of their peers. Um, but this I knew was a completely irrational fear, and that... so you, you
0: recognised it as. I mean, did you? For me, the the big thing about mindfulness um, is that it allows me to separate myself mm. from my thoughts and my feelings. Mm. So even if I'm wrapped in anxiety or having mm. you know going through a particularly low point, I can at least say I am feeling low, but mm. that those are my feelings and my thoughts. Mm. They're not me. And but for years, I I'd attached those to my identity. So mm. it's like you mm. know, um, and. You know, the, the, when you had this incident with the Chinese lanterns and this mm. panic attack, mm. were you identifying with that feeling of... Was it, was it all-consuming, or were you able to kind of step aside? No, and step it wasn't, I, I wasn't able to step aside. It was okay. all-consuming.
1: I knew something was wrong, yeah. but I didn't do anything about it straight away. That was August 2013. Okay. I didn't actually go to the doctor until February 2014. So oh. I kind of battled on with it, with things getting, uh, you know, sort of... Building momentum and building speed. Did anyone
0: around you notice that things were getting out? My mind? husband. Yeah.
1: Noticed, but didn't. I, I. I. couldn't articulate what was. What was going yeah. on? I felt incredibly s- stupid.
0: Well, probably guilty as well. Uh, for, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know your impact on other people. I
1: yeah, guess. absolutely. I just felt in- embarrassed because I thought, you know, I don't know. Th- this is totally irrational. The things I was getting anxious about was so irrational and nonsense. You know things that like, I think I probably wrote about it in the in the blog with with um, that I did for you on your um mm-hmm. space. I you know I'd go over a pothole in the road and think that I'd knock somebody over, and I would drive back round yeah. to see if I'd knocked anybody over if there was anybody in the road. I mean that the the fear was just it was all consuming, and it got to the point where I thought. I can't. I, I can't actually. It's I was hiding so tense it. It was all the time. tense yeah. all the time, and I was hiding it, as you said about the swan, and the, yeah. I said about the swan. But you said about the, you know me, sort of um, emitting a, a calm demeanor. I mm. was keeping it all together on the surface, and I was. I didn't have a day off work. You know, I didn't um, change anything that I was doing, mm-hmm. but inside the you know, the, I just felt awful just this like a coiled spring you know of of fear Mm -hmm. all the time so I was really just kind of functioning at a very surface level but underneath it was you know if you could sort of peel my my mind you know my my skull back and have a look at you know and it was a visual thing it was just swirling mass of fear basically.
0: So what prompted you then to go and seek help?
1: well there was no um there was there was no then defining moment like mm. the like the chinese lantern scenario that made me think i need to go to the doctors but it just had gone on and on and on and it was yeah. building to the point where i was crying a lot privately and had discussions with my husband and you know, I just felt I needed to reach out. But Mm -hmm. the thing about mental health as well is there can be, um, well certainly with with me, with the anxiety, there was a paranoia about reaching out. Because I thought, I've got two young children, what if they think I can't go? Yeah, what if you get
0: sectioned or something? Yeah, or they, yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. They think I can't, you know, look after my children. So Mm. I was very reluctant to talk about it. Even though I was functioning as a normal human being, and sort of hiding it and covering it up. And I was, you know, had this turmoil inside. I was still very much dealing with my daily life, but I was frightened that if I went to the doctors and told them it was like it was, it, it, was st- it was the yeah. catastrophizing again. So I kind of put it off and put it off. And I thought, no, I have to, I have to go and do something about this because something is wrong, yeah. something is wrong with me. Um and my doctor was fantastic. I mean first of all he wanted to put me on antidepressants. Well again anxiety, you don't want to be on any tablets, you immediately read the yep. form and oh my god, I'm not doing that. I did try some for about a week, but they made me feel drunk. Now, Which I don't ones did drink. You? I can't actually remember what the no. first ones were. S- s-
0: Sertraline, Sertraline?
1: Sertraline. Could have yep. been Sertraline, but I'm not 100% sure. But I just felt drunk yep. for a week. and so I, I know felt... different
0: people react differently to Absolutely. So they, and they, they did tell me
1: or... to bear with it, yeah. um, but it just made me so anxious. I thought, I cannot take these. So I, I came off those, and then I had to wait. Unfortunately, because of the lack of resources in the National Health Service, um, I had to wait for therapy, a a talking therapy. Now, it was brilliant that my GP didn't just put me straight on antidepressants and Mm -hmm. send me away. He actually had the foresight and the forward thinking to put me forward for a talking therapy, but that was in the February, and I didn't go on to any sort of talking therapy until the April. Yeah. So I kind of had three months, very much, yeah, three months of just awful writhing around in kind of situation. Anxiety, uh, just trying yeah. to cope, mm. not knowing how to cope. Um, and then I started my MBCT course, um, mm-hmm. which is mindfulness-based cognitive therapy.
0: So was this before you'd so had the the talking therapies? Yeah. This was the talking therapy. Oh, right. So this was it. Yeah,
1: yeah, this was yeah, okay. it. So um, I went to see Guy called Tom, who I will be mm-hmm. forever grateful to. And he was an to. NHS. Practitioner. He was an NHS yeah. um, therapist, yeah. and um, we went through an eight-week program. And in fact, um, I was—I think I was—I was given a, a six-week window of mm-hmm. um, uh, time with him initially, and I ended up staying with him for about sixteen weeks. So he obviously. I was obviously well. I know I was in a yeah. quite a bad way because I you, they do the depression scale, and I was off oh, the right. scale. so they can actually with depression. Yes, they can measure this. I was okay. off the scale with depression. I was off the scale with anxiety, and mm-hmm. I, had, I wrote the figures down. I should have actually brought them with me, um, but I had the before and after figures for yeah. when I started in April and when I ended in November, and the the the, the change and the um, the difference was was huge for the better obviously
0: and this is just from what you were saying before being aware of your thinking and thinking intentionally essentially
1: yes weirdly when i first started it because i was in such a dark place and not able to see any sort of light or Mm. you know the, the wood for the trees um that i you know, we, we did our first session, and I'm just trying to think back. I can't remember exactly what we did, and I think it was just kind of a sort of breathing and sitting and and turning mm. our awareness to sort of our, our breath. And I came out of there, and my husband Pete sort of said, "How did it go?" And I just cried when I got out. I mm. thought, "This is just a load of rubbish. Oh, How really? Is this going to help me?" So you, you it know, just did
0: nothing for you. You sat just, and no, you focused on your breathing.
1: No, no, because I, I I think you know if you're in a situation of Of stress or worry, that is just kind of a normal situation of stress or worry, then you know, a simple breathing exercise probably could, you Mm. know, flip you back into that that state of normality, quote-unquote. I wasn't in that situation. I'd been in a a depressive and anxious state for months.
0: It's funny because I um, had uh, an article in The Guardian I mentioned before mm-hmm. about my own experiences with um, meditation and breathing mm-hmm. and things like this mm-hmm. <clears throat> and literally like meditation for me is just it's just sitting and, and breathing and you, mm. you're paying attention to your breathing and it seems like such a tiny activity such mm. a kind of small almost pointless thing mm. that when you are racked with these kind of huge issues and problems mm. and whatever it might be anxiety sort of lack of self-esteem whatever mm. it is and someone says to you to sit and breathe mm. you kind of think well really mm. don't be ridiculous mm. you know that's not going to help me no. you, know, you know i'm breathing now yeah how is it gonna help me at all so how did you get past that kind of incredulity for,
1: well for me not kind of
0: mindfulness thing? yeah
1: it's we were talking about this obviously before we started mm. recording that. um you know, it's, it, it, it's very easy to kind of be sort of dismissive of it because it's not a quick fix. Yeah. And for me, obviously doing a quick breathing exercise in, a, in an hour's session at the very start of my talking therapy was like, I don't know, taking a, a, a toothpick to Mount Everest and chipping away at the, the little bit yeah. of the ice at the top um, it's a start mm. and it's a tiny hole that you make and you do make a dent but for where I was it just needed an awful lot of work and I came out of there in despair thinking what is this going to do for me for that exact reason mm. I don't feel any different this is not a quick fix
0: do you think that because a lot of the people who are passionate about mindfulness mm. or meditation or any of these kind of related practices often they have been in a dark place mm. and have it has helped them come out because yeah. they've tried everything else yeah and that the reason they've stuck with it is because they've got no, no, nowhere else to go and nothing else and to, they want to fight to get yeah. well so people who maybe haven't been through that mm. kind of difficult period mm. or you know period of trauma or whatever it might be might not turn to it because yeah, actually things are okay yeah, you know absolutely. when actually the benefits are pretty universal whether you're absolutely. you know mentally fit mm. or you know struggling mm. with anxiety or depression mm. or whatever mm. but um but yeah so I, I sort of
1: digress anyway no so. I think you are absolutely right I think for me I was introduced to it yeah through the anxiety and depression but it probably took me about two years to get well with constant work.
0: So why did you stick with it?
1: Because I wanted to get well and because I knew that just taking a few pills wasn't going to. So you
0: you had faith that this was going to help you? I
1: didn't have faith. I had no idea where it was going to take me. I'd Mm -hmm. never done this sort of thing before. I'd never, you know, been depressed. Um, Obviously I had had you know up and downs with anxiety over the years but i would never been in this space before so i had no idea it wasn't really faith it was just my pure desire to fight to be well yeah. and i would do whatever it took for myself for my kids for my family to be well so i stuck with it because i thought well what have i got to lose i'm yeah. coming here and At one point, I think we got in sort of about six, seven, eight weeks in maybe, and, you know, my husband and I were chatting and he said to me, maybe you should stop going because I would just come Hmm. home and cry and cry and cry. So I'd go and I'd be okay and then I'd come out and I'd feel absolutely devastated again. But we kept going and we kept going with the practices um, and eventually I did start to see a little bit of a shift in the mindset, in the in the in the darkness.
0: So when do, what was the first thing you? Kind of I can't noticed, actually
1: pinpoint that, mm. Chris. I'm afraid I can't really remember, but I think it was probably the latter. Sort of three quarters in, maybe, mm-hmm. I would. St- I, I started to notice, I think, you know, what. what's probably good to explain here is about neuroplasticity. Yeah. So I, um, and we talked about this, and it was great for me from a therapy point of view, we talked about this in my therapy for me to see the, the hard facts and the science between, behind how the brain works, rather than let's just talk about being present yeah. and not really understanding why I was doing that. So he explained to me that obviously every thought that you have, every every action that you mm-hmm. take creates a neural pathway. And obviously if you're on a certain neural pathway where you're thinking negative thoughts, you're ruminizing, you're catastrophizing, you are It's like you know, the groove in the record. The record's going round yeah. and round and round over that scratch and all you're doing is deepening that groove. So
0: essentially what you're doing is you're building... Um, Neuro, ne- neurons,
1: yeah, and they're sure. transmitters
0: and receivers, mm-hmm. and you're actually building brain cells
1: mm-hmm.
0: for that particular way of thinking.
1: thinking. And you're and, strengthening those. Yeah, and
0: every time you go through that kind of that behavioral loop, you're streng- yeah. strengthening yeah. it. Yeah. And it, it's really fascinating because um, you probably know Joe, Dr. Joe Dispenza, yes. and he is a brain scientist, I suppose you could call him, and um, he's done a lot of research into this. Because for me, mindfulness was always a spiritual thing, mm, you know, sort the mm. thing, kind of that we we think about. But when you get into the actual biology of it, it supports the kind of the all the woo-woo stuff is actually yes, supported by
1: absolutely
0: by the science. Mm. So it's not it's not nonsense. It's not yeah. gobbledygook. Yeah. And you know, I mean, that there is a lot of kind of philosophy in it mm. in terms of your perspective and and your worldview and that sort of interpretation. But there is biology behind it as well so Mm. so when you are feeling in a dark place Mm. up here your brain is wired for that Mm. so when you're training yourself it's almost like an athlete training for a new sport or a new Mm. discipline within their sport you have to actually change your body and you have to change the way you're wired up here absolutely and that takes a long time
1: it does and my therapist called it you know bicep curl for the brain and i've always stuck with that um analogy because um you know, as you know, you've, you've, you've done running before. You don't, yeah. you know, you don't train for a marathon by just running the day before and expecting to get through a marathon. No. You know, you have to keep at it, keep at it, build up your stamina, build up your, you know, resilience, mm. you know, build up, build up your strength.
0: It's funny though, the running analogy as well. Apparently, when you're doing ryth- rhythmical exercise like running, mm. you produce more brain cells, so mm. you have this neurogenesis going on. And people with a higher rate of neurogenesis are generally much more upbeat and positive because mm. you're building these mm. positive pathways mm. in the brain. But that, again, is a feedback loop mm. because the stronger your neurogenesis, the more it feeds more yeah, neurogenesis.
1: Absolutely, so you're kind of building. You're build-
0: it's, it grows exponentially, you get happier and happier. In theory, anyway.
1: Absolutely. And yeah. I think what's good to, to note here is that obviously we're talking about those sort of ne- negative neural pathways. And if mm. you have sort of, when well, we were chatting about my sort of despair and why it took so mm. long to get there. i had been in that negative neural pathway for pathways for months and months and months, possibly yeah. going back years. Mm-hmm. So if you imagine you're in a, a ditch, you've created such a groove. Yeah. That you've got to then try and reroute those pathways to more positive ones. You you have got to climb up, up quite a ditch to to, to to create another pathway.
0: And often as well, if, if we use that kind of ditch analogy, mm. you're thrashing about so much, mm. fighting this kind of like you know why is everything so awful? And actually, you're just digging yourself deeper mm. because you're reinforcing yes. that neurological part.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. That was really empowering to me to know that obviously and science hasn't always known that the brain no. is neuroplastic and that it's malleable and we can retrain our brain to think in different ways. Mm-hmm. So for me, and I didn't know that at the time, I didn't know, I'd always been had an interest in meditation. I remember buying a book in, in, in my 20s when I was living mm-hmm. up in London and, and trying to meditate a couple of times using a candle and thinking, oh, this is quite nice, but yeah. not really understanding or being aware of any anything other than it's a nice thing to do
0: so were you doing meditation at this point no. then okay
1: no apart from a couple of times with the book yeah um i in my 20s i'd not you know really investigated or or practiced or well I hadn't i hadn't mm-hmm. done anything along those lines this was completely completely new i didn't even know what mindfulness was i mean i was Googling yeah. it to find out what I what I was actually involved. So, th-
0: so these sessions you were you were having, they were just kind of like going to see a therapist, talking about what was troubling you, what you thought the situation was, and how did that steer you towards mindfulness? Then?
1: Because because it was mindfulness based cognitive therapy. They, they it, it's um, there's an eight week program which was written by Mark Williams and Are you testing me? And I can't remember the other people. Um, somebody's cigar, I think. I'm not going to embarrass myself no, by saying, right. but anyway, yeah. Mark Williams um, is the <clears throat> is the guy that does all the narration on the book, so okay. that's why yeah. his, his name <laughs> sticks with me. But I went through. I downloaded that book mm. at the advice of my therapist, Tom, and he um, said work through the eight week program. Okay. And basically, the eight week program, <clears throat> excuse me, gives you the tools and techniques for the breathing exercises. Yeah. So you will start, it's a really interesting exercise that you do first in week one, which is the raising exercise. Have you done the raising exercise? No,
0: what's the raising exercise?
1: So I've done it in my kids' classes and yeah. it went down an absolute storm. The kids so this loved a, it. So this
0: is a thing you do, you do um, mindfulness sessions for The children, states, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. So um, basically you, you take a raising Or it can be anything, piece of chocolate, whatever, piece of food. And you look at it as if you have never seen that before, as if you're a baby or as if you're an alien or, you know, somebody who's just come across this food, this thing. Mm -hmm. They know they can eat it. They know it's not poisonous, but they don't know what it is. Yeah. So you you take your time to investigate it so you rub it in your uh, 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 in between your fingers you have a look at the wrinkles on it you, you 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 start with an observation exercise and then you put it in your mouth but you don't swallow it so it's like yep. rolling it around your mouth and the, the feeling of that around your mouth and how your saliva glands um react to that and how your body wants to just immediately chew and swallow, but you kind of stop your body from doing that so that you can really savour yeah. what's going on and, and be aware of all those different reactions in your body that you wouldn't notice when you were shoveling a, a, a I don't know, a in or a hamburger at lunchtime yeah. well, or whatever. That's a
0: really good... I've not thought about doing that. It's a, it's a bit like the Japanese tea ceremony. You know, It's, it's not about the like raisin that. and it's not about the tea. It's about being... Present in this yeah, very moment. Absolutely. And when you talk, you know, it's another one of those things when when you talk about being in the moment, everyone's always like, "Oh yeah, here we go." Yeah, it just sounds
1: so cliche. What does that now. even mean? Mm. But then when
0: you talk about it, you know, here you go. You have got a piece of mm. food. Mm. What's it look like? Mm. Because the moment you're you're there and you're rolling it around your your tongue or mm. whatever,
1: mm. you're not thinking about
0: mm. what you're having mm. for breakfast tomorrow. You're mm. not thinking about the bills you've got to pay. Mm. You're in that mm. moment. Mm. I'm
1: totally
0: aware. Sorry, just well, just, no, no. I mean, I'm interrupting you, but it's just, it's just amazing. All of this stuff it's so simple. Yet it has this kind of huge spiritual baggage, you know, quasi quasi-religious baggage that mm. goes with it, mm. that is massively off-putting for mm. people. Mm. But yet it's profoundly impactful and beneficial in very practical terms, as you've experienced, as you're teaching other people.
1: Mm.
0: But it's amazing. I mean. So you started to do this course then? Yes, yeah, so and I you, started to do the course. And you noticed the, noticed the benefits quite quickly? Well,
1: I started to, I was doing it every single night. Yeah. And I have continued to meditate every single night mm. since I started the course in 2014. I very, very rarely miss a, miss an evening or a day where I don't Do
0: you notice it if you don't meditate? The next day or
1: not so much if it's a day not so much but Mm. if it's a couple of days I might start feeling a little bit edgy where I'm kind of of a bit well just a bit busy-minded you know I kind of I use that time to as like my download time because as you are aware as a meditator um that you you're not clearing your mind when you meditate Mm. it's not about clearing your mind a lot of people get put off yeah, about meditation, about stopping your thoughts. Exactly, because kind of yeah. I think, well, my mind's not clear, and you know, I can't do it. So you know, mm-hmm. I'm feeling frustrated. So I'm going to stop. But it's not about clearing your mind. It's about well, the you, you've mentioned awareness mm-hmm. twice now. I've just written a blog which I haven't actually put on my website yet, but mm-hmm. I've called it the Three A's, and I think I've called it the Three A's are for awareness, attention an acknowledgement okay so I think it's that way around I wrote it about a month ago now and haven't got around to putting it up there Mm. but and I went to the mindful living show yesterday and I went to a number of talks Mm. and awareness and attention just come up over and over again so it's meditating in, in this context, I can't speak for all, all different... No. There's obviously lots of different ways to meditate, but in this context, it's, it's about awareness of thoughts. Yeah. And it's about bringing your mind to the present so that you are turning the volume down on those thoughts.
0: It's funny. Um, Gelong Thubten. Yes, I don't know we, how to pronounce it. I don't know how to is. pronounce it. Um, we were talking about him beforehand. Yeah. He's a sort of Buddhist monk. Is he yeah. Buddhist? He's yes, he is, yes. Um, but he uses a very nice analogy where it's a bit like, he says, it's like having your, the front door of your house open and the back door of your house yes, open. Yes, he
1: does say that. And,
0: um, you know, your, your thoughts are just passing through yeah. and you're there in your house and you're just watching them go.
1: Yeah.
0: But you don't have to interact with them.
1: Absolutely. Um, which
0: Absolutely. is a really lovely way of putting it. And there's it. a
1: poem as well called The Guest House, huh? which her, is then. read in a, an eight-week MBSR program, which is mindfulness-based okay. stress reduction, so that's mm. a slightly different program. Um, and um, that is that, that follows the same, I think it might yeah. be a Rumi oh, maybe. poem, I'm yeah. not sure, again, don't quote me on that, I've not done my research at all for yeah. this podcast, but it's it's a poem that they use on that programme and it's very much about the same, yeah. it's about, you know, welcoming in all the thoughts, good mm. and bad, and allowing them just to be there, it's about your yeah. interaction your awareness and your interaction with those thoughts, rather than pushing those thoughts away. Yep. He, Galang Thupten,
0: Thupten. Yep.
1: Um, talks a lot in this book that I'm reading at the moment, A Monk's Guide to Happiness. I'm not I'll a just Buddhist. just hold it
0: up for the, the, the camera. camera? There we go. There you go.
1: Yeah. Um, What's it called? It's called... A monk's guide to happiness okay. I picked this up I, I I didn't know anything about this guy I picked this up in um, a shop in um, Eastbourne it was in sort of the the, the bucket of random books at the yep. front and it's been one of the best reads i've've I've read in ages as I say I'm not I'm not a, a Buddhist a practicing Buddhist myself and this comes um, although he is a monk and a Buddhist yep. he, this 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 is brilliant for Everybody, it's not, um, it's not pushing any belief any system. dogma or anything like that. No, about. it's just basically about meditation and about um, mindfulness. But I actually, I think I, 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 think I did underline something. Yes, I did.
0: Yeah.
1: And this is myths about meditation. So he he says the amount of thoughts we have makes no difference to our meditation. It's not about clearing or blanking out the mind or going into a trance. This will simply not work and has no real value. Meditation changes our relationship with our thoughts and emotions. It is not aimed at getting rid of them. And he talks an awful lot about grasping and resisting. Yeah. Because the the analogy is, and you've probably heard this before, Mm. you ask somebody not to think about um, a yellow car. Yeah, straight away. And they will think about a yellow car. And that's the same with our emotions. You say, you ask yourself mm-hmm. not to think about something. I don't want to feel angry. I don't want to feel fear. I don't want to feel a certain emotion. You try and push yeah. that down. What, what, what's going to happen? It's, you, you can't it's just, really you interesting, push it down.
0: Because at the beginning of this year, I said... You know, I, I have a love-hate relationship with money. Mm. I love to spend it, but I hate it when I don't have any. you like me. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I can't seem to hold on to it for very long. And I just remember um, the beginning of this year, I said to myself, right, I'm not going to stress about my debts and my money. And then proceeded to spend the first month of January or the first month of the year completely mm. racked of anxiety about money and my debts. That's and really it's, it's, like, it's like when I've got a one-year-old daughter. Yeah. And you say to her, don't eat it. And the yeah. first thing she hears is "eat it." Yeah. So she starts to put it in yeah. her mouth. You know, whatever yeah. it is that she's yeah. holding in her hand. Mm. And I suppose it's the same with us, isn't it? When when you say, "You know, I'm not going to be angry." Mm. Um, Mother Teresa said something very interesting, and she said, I, "I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember the exact quote." But she said, "Rather than fighting against something, give me something to fight for, mm. and I'll be there." And it's, I guess, it's the same with our thoughts. Mm. Rather than saying, "I don't want to be depressed anymore." Mm. We should focus more on saying, I want to be happy.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, which kind of brings me back to when you were, you know, going through the, the terrible anxiety mm. and everything was calm on the surface. Mm. You know, how is mindfulness different from, say, bottling it up and just like denying it and pretending it's not? How does it help you kind of relieve the pressure rather than just let to it, let it and, turn um,
1: into a pressure cooker. Well, yeah. I I think we've we've kind of just touched on it by what we've just said about the grasping mm. and resisting, and about mindfulness not being um, about clearing the mind. Yeah. It's about having a relationship with the thoughts that are there. So, you know, there's 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 various different practices. Mm. So the the sort of standard practice that. Any MBCT, MBSR course starts off with is, is, the, is using the breath as an anchor, using the body as an anchor. Mm. And the reason why we use that is because when we are in a state of focusing on our breath or on our body, we can't be focusing on those other things. Yeah. So we are training our brain to come back to a central point each time. So we will be in an exercise where we're thinking about our breath and 100%, 100% I can't, I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say 100%, You'll. I don't know anybody who's done this as a, as a novice and said, oh yes, I concentrated on my breath the whole way through. You will start to think about your shopping list or yeah. I don't know what you're doing next or in my case some horrible irrational fear that I was going through at at the time but each time you're coming back it's that bicep curl for the brain each time you're coming coming back back,
0: isn't it that's the powerful thing the
1: powerful part of it and when you come back you unhook and you interrupt that thought pattern Mm -hmm. so you might you'll go back there again and again and again and I went back there hundreds thousands probably millions of times we have 80,000 yeah. 60 40 to 80,000 thoughts a day I heard yesterday in the presentation and I think Again, I am just taking this from my memory, which isn't so good these days But I think she said the lady who was speaking 85 or not it was either 85 or 95 percent of those are a repetition of the day before Now you yeah. bear in mind if you are having nothing but negative thoughts all day, every day, because you're suffering with depression, then you're gonna keep repeating those over yeah. and over. And you're and strengthening over again. those neural you're pathways. St- back to the neural pathways. And this is almost as putting a stopper on yeah. it. You're interrupting it. Yes, you will go back, but you're interrupting it and you keep doing that, and you keep doing that and you keep doing that. But then you add other things into the mix. Yeah. Something that you talk- have talked about in your Books, um, particularly, and you'll do the thing. Have the power about gratitude and um, journaling and positive, grat- uh, positive um, mindset. Um, you add things like that into the mix, where you're not only just interrupting those thoughts, but you're training your yeah. brain to focus on something that isn't negative. So there are other techniques that you build in to that, but the, the initial technique is obviously just training your mind to unhook from and, and interrupt that thought pattern that is not serving you.
0: Yeah, and that's an interesting phrase you've used there, because um, so many things are popping into my mind all the time when you're, <laughs> when you're talking. Um, there's this kind of notion, and, and this is when, and I'm, I remember this, when I, when I was so bitter and angry that life mm. was so unfair mm. and I wasn't getting my rewards because I'd, I'd worked so hard. If you do the same thing all the time, you're going to get the same outcomes, And so you start believing that you're powerless to change your... Because you you keep keep thinking, something's got to give, something's got to give, something's got to give. And nothing's going to give. Somebody's
1: going to give me a break. (laughs) Exactly. When's (laughs) my big break? When's my big
0: break? But the thing is, you're not changing anything. Mm. You're still in that set, And whether it's your thought patterns, whether it's your daily routine, whether Mm. it's the the, the conversations you're having with people, if Mm. it's the same all the time, if Mm. you're constantly complaining about how miserable your life is, how Mm. unlucky you are, Mm. then... Today's is going to be the same as it was yesterday, mm. and tomorrow, and so on. Mm. And you know, you're you're working those muscles in a certain way, Absolutely. It's becoming increasingly negative. But you were talking about, um, you know, the thoughts that don't serve you. And I remember there's a chap called Bob Proctor. He's mm. one of these kind of uh, very influential American and therefore very cheesy.
1: Uh, did he do the um, the Ronda?
0: It, he was in, yeah. He was the, in the secret. The
1: secret, yeah. Sweet.
0: But um, some of what he was saying is, um, uh, it's not that kind of. The secret is very kind of. I hate to use the phrase woo woo. I wish there was a better mm, phrase to use, mm. but the secret is borderline kind of mysticism and magic. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he actually, one of the things he used to say, and I used to say it over and over again in my head, uh, and I, you know, I was going through a, a difficult time. And I was trying to get out of this, these kind of thought processes but he was saying only give energy to the thoughts that serve you
1: mm.
0: and and that's the thing you, you keep giving these thoughts this energy and they keep mm. doing the same thing and mm. you're digging this rut like you say and i remember being in the shower one day and just i was overwhelmed by thoughts about all the mistakes i'd made in the past having made the wrong decisions at school having you know not kind of applied myself more and why was i such a loser and all these terrible things mm. And then I just kind of said, I don't want to have these thoughts anymore. Mm. And they stopped. Mm. Well, they didn't stop. But it, suddenly I interrupted that thought process. Mm. And that was when a, a kind of light went on for me, mm. where I kind of said, well, I don't actually have to listen to these thoughts. Yes. They're going to go on and on, mm. but I don't have to listen. And suddenly as I stopped giving them my attention and, and the energy of mm. my attention, mm. the volume did turn down it's on them a little softened. bit. And they, they kind of went into the background a little mm. bit, which was quite... Well, that was a, a bit of an epiphany like for found, me. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, and that led me into meditation and mm. to other things like that. I can't think what we were talking about there. We we're talking about changing your your behaviours and your patterns. Well, I think you new... picked
1: up on two things there. Um, one is thoughts are not facts. Yeah. Um, what we tell ourselves is not necessarily the truth. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm stupid. I'm you know, I'm this, I'm that, you know, too too fat, too ugly, too, you know, haven't got a good enough job, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. whatever that might be, that's your perception of yourself.
0: And of course every time you say that you're reinforcing, reinforcing it. it. And so you believe it more and more and more.
1: The other part of that is obviously when we are stressed they're going back to the science of it because I do love the science of it as well as they. I do love the woo woo too. Yeah. Um, I like my crystals and things, and yeah. you know I do like all that. But you know, for me, it's the the, the thing that helped me the most was that the, the science behind mm. it and knowing it had some sort of physical evidence that could I could cling to yeah. and it would help me. Um, is that you know by doing a breathing, a simple breathing exercises, by doing the the coming back to the present, by um, that, that sort of constant um, mindful awareness, um, we can shift physical changes in our body. Obviously, when we are in a, 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 a state of stress, mm-hmm. our bodies are reacting, and I know you know this, Chris, but for the podcast I'll explain, but um, our bodies are in a, in a state of um, high alert, yeah. So our bodies will react in the same way to stress for a deadline at work or worrying about money or whatever that might be, as it would for um, you know running away from a woolly mammoth, you know when we were cavemen. Because it, the 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 brain has a negative bias; it searches mm. for danger. That's how we've survived. It it doesn't search for happiness and joy; it searches for danger because you know. When we were obviously yeah. years back, we we were in danger constantly of being eaten or, you know, killed by the neighboring tribe or yeah, eat the wrong berry and, you know, be poisoned or whatever. So we were in that state of, of high alert. But the the difference being that you'd get chased by the saber tooth tiger, that danger yeah. would pass, and you would then revert back to a normal state of of, of, of low alert no alert, not no. low alert. Um but when you're in a state of um anxiety or worry and one replaces the other, replaces the other, replaces the other, you are constantly, your body is physically yeah. in constantly in that state of high alert.
0: And this can lead to actual illnesses and physical yeah. problems. I mean I know I've had Stomach issues, other people get back issues, headaches, things like this. Just from these kind of emotional and intellectual processes.
1: So physical illnesses, not just, obviously the mind and body. We've always seen to treat the mind and body separately Mm. in the West. You know, luckily now we are seeing that that there is a symbiosis between, you know, mind and body. And, um, you know, what's going on in the mind does affect the body i was reading yesterday in an article about this constant level of stress because obviously it releases cortisol and adrenaline yeah. because they were the things that you needed to you know to to, to run or to fight, or you know, the, the blood goes to certain organs to help you, your legs pump quicker to to run, yeah, and your breathing quickens, and your lungs expand so that you can get more air in. And, and
0: also, your your blood is moved away from your stomach.
1: Absolutely. And they talk about
0: your stomach as your second brain. It's, yes. it's so densely packed with nerves and neurons and all of this kind of stuff. That,
1: absolutely. That
0: it harms you emotionally as well yeah. when you're.
1: So if you're, so you're, you're, you've got those adrenaline, cortisol running around your, on a, if you're in sort of low-level anxiety the whole time and mm. you're, you've got those um, hormones and chemicals running around your body all the time, then obviously that is going to have a negative impact. Yeah. So in terms of um, what you can physically do with mindfulness exercises and, and breathing exercises and meditation is that helps you to shift. Yeah. The breathing alone can just, if you're, and you, you you we've probably all experienced this before we're doing something that we're nervous about an exam, a driving test, a presentation, yeah. whatever it is that makes you nervous. You know, where people say, take some deep breaths, you know, and, and count to 10. And count I remember at school we used
0: to say, like, Deep deep breaths. Count to ten. Yeah, Next yeah. time you feel like thumping that the yeah. other kid in school yeah, or something. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
1: It's nothing. That's nothing. This is nothing new. It's just being repackaged mm-hmm. in a in a in a different way, in a more accessible way, and a deeper way, I suppose. Rather than just take a few deep breaths and off you go, it's sort of much more. You know, it's explained a lot more yeah. now, and it's there's a lot more around it. But in terms of you know switching you from that state of high alert to Normal, quote unquote. Mm. The breathe. It can be as simple as just closing your eyes, grounding your feet on the floor, taking a few deep breaths in and a few deep breaths out, and that immediately your brain will say, "Ah, we're okay. We're okay. We can, we can, we can back off now." And our sort of uh, prefrontal cortex, which is our sort of decision-making, high-thinking part of the brain, will 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 kick back in. Whereas when we're yeah. in that state of high alert, our amygdala, which is the oldest part of the brain, will just be firing off and just shutting everything else down. saying yeah. don't think about that. Don't don't you know? Don't recall those memories. We need to just run. We need to just fight. You know. So yeah. everything, that, which is why sometimes when you're in that, st- in in a real state of, of, of panic, that you can't you can't think straight. Which is like going back to they can't see the wood for the trees.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I there are times I know when I get stressed. Actually, my eyes—I feel like my eyes are starting to roll back in—in—in mm. in, um, in my eye sockets. You know, my eyeballs are rolling back, and I—I I kind of can't. My vision goes like yes. this, yes. and I really feel like something is holding onto me in my my chest. I feel like I'm suffocating sometimes. Yes, and I'm not at all, but yes. it's just—that's
1: your body you know, Yeah, isn't exactly. It? And
0: it's just, you know, think that Han said. You know, even a single breath can be a, a meditation. Mm. And sometimes when I'm you know, a lot of the time when when you're feeling angry towards someone else it's not actually because of something they've done Mm. it's your response to what they've done Mm. and so they're they're not responsible for how you feel inside and sometimes I just find myself, if I'm tired or if I'm grumpy or I've had a bad day at work and then there's that final straw Mm. that someone else does something and I respond badly or I'm about to respond badly Mm. I just take a breath and Mm. Just let Take it go, forth. yeah. Because and then it's like it's okay, you know. It doesn't. Mm. It's not their fault mm. that I'm feeling that mm. this way. Mm. And I could turn this into a very bad situation by responding mm. badly. Mm. And this is thousands of years old. You know, this is what they've known it in India. They've known it. You know, the Buddha practiced it. You know, mm. I'm sure all the other Abrahamic prophets. Mm. You know, um, Jesus Christ. They're probably all of a, a similar ilk, mm. and some of them have been kind of turned into religions some of them have been turned into practices mm. but this is not anything new no but we talk about you know mindfulness is this great new mainstream thing failure, yeah, yeah but it's you know people have been doing this for three thousand years four thousand years
1: absolutely and I think when um I talked about John Kabat-Zinn in the um beginning of, of our chat and John Kabat-Zinn um devised a uh he was a molecular biologist, I think, um, and he worked in, I think he worked in the University of Massachusetts, and mm-hmm. he developed the um, MBSR, Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Programme, based on, obviously, his, his scientific background and yeah. the fact that he was, um, he was a meditator. And he, you know, he, he pulled in the Eastern philosophies, and he pulled in his sort of science background and melded them into a a secular practice that was accessible to us Westerners to help. That specifically, that program was to help people with chronic pain who had come to the end of the road with conventional medicine and just needed a way to be able to manage that pain and to live some sort of quality of life. He then worked with Mark Williams and the other two. The other two um, authors
0: of that amazing book <laughs> yeah.
1: who developed the mbct program yeah. which was more for helping people um, who had had re- repetitive um bouts of depression yeah um deal with obviously their their their, their mental um health and yeah. their, their, um, or the mental ill health and then their mental health so You know, we've we've brought these um, practices into the West and made them secular and packaged them up in a different way. Yeah. um, So if if you
0: meditate, you're this kind of person and kind of not really connected to the real world Mm. and living in cloud cuckoo land, Mm. whereas if you take medicines you're you're much more grounded and yeah. you know this kind yeah. of thing but
1: i think it's just made it the, the, the beauty of what they've done is is mm. is made it much more acceptable obviously now it's it's, it's within the nhs
0: that's amazing Um yeah.
1: john Cabotson has spoken in parliament i think more than once yeah um and you know it is much more acceptable and it as a as a clinical practice and for people, and it's not just for, we've talked a lot about obviously mental ill health yeah. and, and you know quite severe mental ill health. But as you touched on earlier on, it's, it can be for everybody, for the wider community. Yeah. And I teach kids um, in terms of, you just talked about it, about taking the pause, yeah. about building um, a sort of a, a, an emotional response to... Um, not emotional resilience, but it, it, it is partly about emotion, yeah. emotional resilience, but you know, um, having kind of a way of self-regulating emotions mm. in, a, in a positive way, so they, I don't teach um, children because they've got mental health issues, I just teach children as a way of being and a way of life yeah. that they become more aware of their emotions they're much more emotionally intelligent but
0: also you've talked on things like um it helps decision making you know yeah. be, they become much more capable of making the right life choices mm. and mm. better in exams for example mm. or you know knowing when you know I've, i remember doing exams and getting really frustrated mm. and and kind of angry that mm. i couldn't you know that the answer's there it's in my head but i can't get it out mm. but if i'd been able to remain calm you know mm. and I, I know i've known people who go to go to pieces in exams yeah, absolutely. but if you can remain calm then that affects your your future outcomes you know and it's not not just about dealing with depression it's, it's about not
1: about dealing with depression or you know obviously mental health is on the rise I'm yeah. actually doing a, a course at the moment about um, mental health with young people and, yeah. and children and it, it has been on the rise um, but you know there are I, I teach really simple techniques You know, for for younger children, for example, like there's a breathing technique that they can do where it's called take five, where you just literally put your hand up in the air, you take your your finger to your thumb, and you just breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, slower than this. I'm I'm quickening this up for the the podcast. (laughs) To the other side and back again. You know, for for older children, it's uh, teenagers maybe in an exam. They don't want to yeah. be doing, you know, putting their hand up in the middle of an exam, breathing. But they can, you know, under their desk, make a fist, yeah. point one finger out, breathe in, breathe out. Next finger, breathe in, breathe out. And these are just the, going back to that, you know, shifting us from that state of panic, that state of high alert, into a calmer state Absolutely. of being. So there are, you know, lots of simple little tips and techniques that we can teach our children, and not because they've got mental health problems, just because we want to teach them to be more, uh, you know, to be able to self-soothe, yeah, to be yeah. more emotionally, um, to be able to sort of regulate their emotions and I mean, better, to have more agency over them. Their absolutely, own
0: emotions. and it's yeah. not that you do these things and suddenly life is amazing.
1: No, because life, life is, is still life, hard. Life. You know, yeah, <laughs> life is life,
0: but you're just much more equipped mm. to you know, tackle the obstacles as they come along. Oh. And, you know, certainly in the past, you know, I, I would, I would come up against one of life's obstacles and it would just knock me down straight mm. away. And I'd be like, mm. oh, what's the point? You know, mm. oh, life is just too hard. Yeah. But actually now I am self more self-aware mm. and I have this practice. I can say, okay, you know, like I've had a run of bad luck with cars recently yes. and it's been going on for like a couple of years now. I just, I seem to you know, get really unlucky. And if that, you know, a few years ago, it would have been, I am unlucky with mm, cars. You mm. know, almost like I'm cursed and it's mm. not fair. and I'm mm. unlucky. But, you know, I've just had bad luck with cars. Mm. Maybe I'm, I'm not very good at having them serviced regularly or something like that, you know. <laughs> Who Not looking for potholes in the road <laughs> or something like that. But, you know, it's just, it gives you the, the tools to mm. just manage better, mm. I think. And I think
1: it gives you the tools post having any outbursts or yeah. woe is me or you know life's hard or whatever because we're all human and I mm. think you know sometimes I feel a little bit of a pressure being a mindfulness, mindfulness practitioner that I never lose my temper that I yeah. you know if somebody say something to upset me that I'm immediately oh that's okay you know I, 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 I hold nothing but love for you you know yeah. that I don't get angry or I don't get you know frustrated or you know whatever that may be, but you know I I do, and you know in the past and still still now you know I can be really hard on myself. Yeah. You know oh I've just you know got crossed about something. I'm and I feel to be, guilty about be. I'm it supposed and, to be yeah. a mindfulness practitioner. I feel guilty about it. I should have handled my feelings better. Mm-hmm. So post having those outbursts, obviously if you don't get to that point great but post having those outbursts it's about how you speak to yourself afterwards as well what you yeah. learn from that you know the awareness that you've got that you have that you've been that way and okay well I'm not going to carry that on mm. now I'm not going to get more and more and more angry or I'm not going to beat myself up about that that has happened I learned from that I move on from that yeah and
0: I suppose it's you know it's not just something you are it's something you do isn't it mm. it's like it's like a vegetarian mm. you're only a vegetarian when you're not eating meat mm. you know and so every time a meal comes mm. if you um eat a vegetarian meal then mm. in that moment you're a vegetarian mm. Mm. and it's the same with mindfulness it's not just i've meditated and now i'm zen i'm, I'm a zen person forever more <laughs> yeah. and and the same with the gym you know you don't go to the gym once and suddenly you're you know you've got a six-pack and you're looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger that's forever okay. you know it's, it's a it's a lifestyle and it's a and it's a kind of approach to living
1: and a constant work in progress yeah, i think that's what you know people you know nowadays because everything is so accessible want a quick fix yeah. to everything and this isn't a quick fix this is an ongoing process i've been meditating practicing mindfulness writing about mindfulness, learning about mindfulness, talking about mindfulness for six years, I would not say I'm a mindfulness expert. Because I I read something, and it might have been in in the book that we've just been talking about. It was something something about a 90-year-old meditator was asked um, why at his age he keeps meditating. Mm. And he said, because I think I'm just getting the hang of it. Yeah. You know, it is a constant work in progress and, you know, and there are days where it's easier than others and there are days where you feel that you haven't been that mindful or you, you have lost your temper or, you know, you have got frustrated yeah. or stressed or whatever and that's about how you speak to yourself afterwards and how you draw the line under that and don't hold on to that. We're back to that grasping and resisting again.
0: Yeah, it's funny because one of the things I always kind of say that is the things that are... that we're holding on to are the things that hold on to us yes so we hold on We're so angry Mm. and actually you don't need to be angry Mm. you can let it go Mm. you know a metaphor i use all the times is it it's a bit like you're holding this dove Mm. and this you won't let it go Mm. and it's i call it the black dove metaphor Mm. and this this bird is pecking at you Mm. and you're like oh god i wish it would stop pecking Mm. at me and it's really hurting my hands Mm -hmm. but all you have to do is let it go because all it wants is to be let go and it's the same you know (laughs) like forgiveness you know forgiveness is not about letting the other person off the hook it's yeah. about letting yourself off the hook yeah. and saying I've suffered enough mm. you know and I can forgive life I can mm. forgive mm. and actually this is something I'm doing for me mm. you know because I don't want to suffer anymore I and think that's
1: why people don't let go because they think it's giving other people a free pass because yeah. you have this sense of righteousness that I was in the right and mm-hmm. they've hurt me and You know, I I can't forgive because they're not going to apologise. But sometimes people, you're not going to get the closure that you want on certain situations in life.
0: But we extend that to life in general. Mm. You know, it's like I've not had a fair crack of the whip. I've not had my rewards for all the hard work I've put in. You know, I've not had... It's like I I do my little videos every day and it's I did one yesterday. um, And it was, you know, sometimes we have to stop the search for happiness just to... Spend a few minutes and be happy, you know. Yeah. And it's like,
1: oh yes, I replied to that because yeah, I was on the that. train to the Mindful Living show, and the sun was shining, the birds it's were singing. It happens out, to be I was in my happy <laughs> place. I was like, I'm really happy today. <laughs> so cool. I'm going to celebrate Yeah, it. why not? Absolutely,
0: because you know. It's, and again, it's it's about being in the moment. You know, we can be pushing forwards constantly for the better life and for the rewards. Mm. But when we stop to be mindful of where we are, mm. and you know, taste the the raisin and yeah. feel its textures. And actually, you start to look around and you think, actually, I'm pretty lucky where I am now. I've got a roof over my head. It may not be the big mansion that I've I've been pushing for, but I'm I'm blessed in so many ways. And then, we, you know, the the thing we're choking about, not having a good enough car or Mm. not having all the riches, Mm. actually, we start to feel pretty wealthy. And then we attract those things into our lives anyway because we're not thrashing around, not resisting anymore.
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know, it sounds a cliche, but... You Know, I constantly remind myself of this is that the only place that we can be is now,
0: yeah. We can't absolutely. be
1: anywhere else, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, catastrophizing about the future or ruminating about the past, yeah. it's wasted energy,
0: absolutely. And it's, it's and I
1: know it's easier said than done because when you are in that space, I've been in that space, I know, and I, I still do go into that space from mm. time to time. Mindfulness has given me the tools to help me move away from that space, but it's very easy to for me to sit here saying it's not easy for me to sit here saying these things because I've kind of yeah. lived it and worked at it but you know we we can't be anywhere else but where we are we only have agency over ourselves we don't have agency over anybody else that there, there's certain things in life we can control yeah um you know our eating habits our spending habits you know th- things that, that, that tangible things that we control there are certain things that we Park control you know which we do have to let go we we, you know you and I can't sit here and solve the climate issues but we can do our little bit to in our space well exactly and if everybody does that little bit in their space then we're all coming together as a community to do uh, you know a a big thing in a bigger space you know so it's really just about sort of getting your head around what you can Having a what what you what you can do and what you have to let go.
0: But it's it's interesting because I I said something the other day is about um, I saw some people some quite morbidly obese Mm. people Mm. um, on a bench smoking cigarettes can of sugary drink mm. doing lottery scratch cards mm. and you know people are you know I'm, I'm a little bit overweight people are overweight for all kinds I'm of I'm nodding reasons.
1: I'm not nodding. At yeah no it's like I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to be nodding with the conversation. <laughs> but I'm going to
0: be really careful not to kind of shame people about kind of their weight or anything like that but it's you know when we give up our power to All of these external things actually, we have no control over. Mm -hmm. I I can't. I can buy a thousand lottery tickets, Mm -hmm. but I still have no control over one of those. Whether one of those is going to be a winning lottery ticket. Mm -hmm. But what I can do is I can take more responsibility for my finances, Mm -hmm. you know, and I can take more responsibility for um, what I eat and what I put into myself, Mm -hmm. what I read, and you know, and there is this sort sort of certain kind of life is unfair i'm ill i haven't received the proper health care you know it's like people like me don't get opportunities like that Mm. whereas i know people who you know if you follow that way of thinking they would have never had any opportunities but Mm. they've gone out there and they've made the change happen for themselves and it's about being aware you know in here actually yes in this moment i can choose to do something someone said a chap called james clear he said um that every action we take is a vote t- towards the future person we're going to be. Brilliant. And it's it's true. It's like in this moment, if I'm mindfully, you know, if you're if you're watching TV and you're thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow, and you're guzzling down your dinner, mm. and then you go back for another portion, mm. that's not being mindful mm. about you know mm. who you are. But if you're there with that raisin and you're tasting mm. it, and you're being in in the moment, and mm. you get to choose. Whether I have another raisin, where I have another mm. ten packets of raisins, yes. and that is a vote for who you're going to be tomorrow.
1: Exactly.
0: And the more not, this is, I'm being really a terrible podcast host. I'm, I'm sort of talking far no, too much. It's, but it's
1: interesting. But it's really I, interesting,
0: I really right? think the more we take control over what we can control, mm. our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, mm. the more we start to influence the things we can't control.
1: Yes, So I agree. the
0: luckier we get, you know, the harder we work, the luckier we yeah. get. And that kind of thing. Um,
1: And I think, you know, that goes back to as well about taking the pause. Yeah. Because if you are living your life mindfully and you're bringing your awareness back to where am I now? And just pausing to breathe or just pausing to check in for a moment, Mm. that then influences the choices that you next make. It could be that you're sat in the car and somebody cuts you up. Yeah. And you want to, you know, shout an expletive at them or start driving up their, you know, their backsides or whatever, you know, having that sort of road rage moment. Or you can take a breath and a pause and think, well, you know, I can just choose to let this go because that's a danger to me and to everybody else on the road. And it serves me no purpose doing that you know and that, that's just a, a you know a small example but you could do that as you said you can do that with anything when you're 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 sat making a choice about anything you take that pause and then it's the action that you yep. you choose to take from from there
0: and it takes practice it does take it practice. takes a lot of practice and it's something you have to keep doing yes and sometimes it you don't take the pause no
1: absolutely but, but
0: it is a practice it's a lifestyle mm. and so I'm, gonna, I'm aware of the time. we have been talking for an hour and 10 minutes so far. So I'm going <laughs> to <Gosh>. start to <laughs> <laughs> round it up. Round it, it up. up. So if, say, you feel stuck and mm-hmm. you've been hearing a lot of people talking about this, but every time you try to do something, you think, oh, well, I would, but I haven't got the time or I haven't got the mm-hmm. money or I can't go to meditation classes or I can't do this, that and the other. Mm-hmm. What would you recommend would be a kind of way in for people into kind of a good mindfulness practice? For beginners to get them. Get them I would out.
1: probably say um one of the one of the apps or one of the the free apps to start off with yeah. Headspace, Calm, I think do a free version, mm-hmm. Insight Timer. Yeah, um, I use that. which I think you yeah, I think yeah. we've talked about before that you use. Um because doing a sort of five minute guided meditation and maybe time it for a certain time in the day um, sets a sets a practice for you, and and yeah. you know you're not having. I think asking somebody to sit and just concentrate on their breath for five minutes every day, is, is even just for five minutes is probably just a, quite a big ask yeah. because it takes Absolutely. a lot of. Um, you know it it takes a lot of effort to think right now i'm going to sit down on a cushion and think about my breathing for five minutes especially
0: when you've never done it before no exactly really is this going to make a difference exactly i think
1: once you're an experienced meditator you can drop into situations Mm. much more easily because we've obviously trained our brains in that way of being but i think you know start off with some simple five minute breathing exercises on a morning when you get up, probably a lot of things that, a, a, a lot of people, the first thing that they do is pick up their phone yeah. to check the, the time, turn off the alarm, check their emails, you know. Mm.
0: And then you're in the in And the then they're then in that, that then, moment, yeah. you know,
1: why not just, you know, turn on the app and do mm-hmm. for just five minutes, you One know? of the
0: things I started doing was when I walked from my bedroom to the bathroom when I got out of bed yeah. in the morning, just use that time, That's even great. just 30 seconds along there yeah. to just calm myself down and... Because often when I wake up, that's when I get those negative thoughts. Yeah. Like, what are you doing with your life? Why are you wasting all this? Why aren't you? Why don't you go to get a job in a bank and, yeah. and lots of money that way? Yeah. But actually, it's about just that's
1: how you soften the, the volume down. Yeah, exactly. Down. I like, think that you've just hit on a great point there. It's about finding triggers as well. Mm. So it could be, you know, you put a note on your fridge that yeah. every time you open your fridge, you take the pause and you take three deep breaths. Mm-hmm. If you're boiling the kettle, I I do it then. I used to be the type of person, and I still do, don't get me wrong, because I've got two children in a busy household that I'll yep. boil the kettle and then I'll run around the kitchen doing a million and one other things, but I will, from time to time, if I'm feeling that that, that busy mind starting to crowd right. and overwhelm. I will make myself stand for the time that that kettle boils, and I will just focus either on my breathing or listening to the kettle boil. So it doesn't have to be about breathing; it could be about external yeah, noises. You know, you can you can focus on you can go outside. Hopefully, we're going to get some nice weather soon.
0: It's funny. I got um, my wife bought me an Apple Watch for Christmas, mm. and it comes built in with this breathe. App, oh,
1: perfect! And then
0: throughout the day, every now and then it'll pop up.
1: Perfect. And it'll
0: just say to me breathe, and it'll it kind of vibrates as you take the in breath, and then
1: so good and it's for you. but it's
0: become such a mainstream thing now mm. that something like that used to be kind of far fetched alternative yeah. Yeah, kind of no. lifestyle, but now it's even in our in our smart watches. Well, it just
1: so allows you to reset yeah. throughout the day doing that to just mm. we've said it, I've said it a million times now, but just take that pause, yeah. you know, just turn everything off just for a moment and just. I'm here, I'm here now, whatever's yep. going on in my mind and in my body, I'm just going to bring it back have to the break. present and have a break from it and also just be aware of what's going on. Mm. Because a lot of the time when we're busy, 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 we, you know, hunch shoulders, tight jaw, maybe a headache, tummy ache, mind clattering through your you oh, know, yeah, 40 absolutely. to 80,000 thoughts a day. And it just allows you to think, right, where am I now? Yep. Do, what do I need now? Do I need to stop? Do I need to go make myself a cup of tea? Am I okay? Can I carry on? Mm -hmm. Do I need to set something in my diary this week for me that is gonna be that is gonna this again, I don't wanna start going into what sounds like woo-woo speak, but is gonna feed my soul. Yeah. You know, something that maybe a walk in nature or, you know, sitting with you 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 know stroking your cat for half an hour because you find that soothing but it's about it's all about awareness attention just being a lot more emotionally intelligent to what's and emotionally aware of what's going on in there so that you can make choices that serve you well
0: absolutely and make a vote towards your future self absolutely brilliant so um to wrap it up then you run a a blog and a facebook mm-hmm. group called mm-hmm. my little place of calm that's right so you can find it on there are two on there there's a facebook page and a facebook group is that right
1: there's a i have a closed facebook group which yeah. is my little place of calm so
0: people can go on there and they can be as woo-woo as they like yeah without absolutely. feeling judged by their friends absolutely i like to keep it private
1: yeah. because it's a safe space for people to go and if they want to share they they, they can yeah. um I'm on Instagram at, at my little place of calm. I have a blog which is my little place of yeah. um, I try and do um, ad hoc sessions around yeah. mindfulness uh, sessions around my, my job because uh, yeah. I obviously work as well, not obviously, but I work as well yeah. um, in a completely different area of life.
0: But you get the people in your office to have mindfulness sessions. the mind people the in my session. office yeah. do
1: it we, we sat down on Thursday and I just said I want everybody to stop and we took three deep breaths yeah. and carried on um, and how do they
0: respond do they go oh god here we go again or do, <laughs> are they actually like um, oh this is useful actually yeah, I god think
1: well that. you have to ask them that yeah. I don't know. They always say it's useful. They could be thinking, "Oh my god," in their heads. But yeah. I think I know it's Burn the useful. Witch, I know <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know it's helping you. So whether you think it's helping you or yeah, not, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm, I've sort of enforced that on them. But I, I have a good take up with them yeah. when I when I offer to run something in in work. I have a lot of support with people wanting to do it. So there obviously is something in yeah. it for them.
0: And you. Do you still do sessions with youngsters? Um, I
1: haven't done anything so far this year. I'm planning, what I'd really like to do is um, some family sessions. I'm really sort of keen to bring mindfulness into family life rather than just teaching children. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, to have the adults in there as well, because obviously, if you've got the whole family involved, then it's more likely to become part of. A practice or part of a way of, of being, rather than the children just coming home and say, "Oh, mommy, we did these breathing exercises well, today." Well, it's yeah. funny. I,
0: there is a in some parts of the country there is a program, a kind of mindfulness program for young primary school children. Yeah. And uh, I saw a documentary. I think it was on Netflix. Mm. Might, might be called Insay or something like that.
1: I think I've seen it. I haven't. I, I think, think that, that was the one. Process, I yeah, seen and it. Um,
0: but the parents were talking about it. Mm. That the children are having these kind of mindful mm. mindfulness. Um, sessions. They
1: do it in my children's school, Uh,
0: but they're going home and then they're telling their parents how to Mm. do it. Whereas the parents might come home from yeah, stress out from work. Yeah, their kids are saying to them, "Well, we do this at school. Maybe you should try it too." And it's kind of filtering. They're our future, aren't they? Absolutely. What did
1: Dalai Lama say? Dalai Lama say about if every child was taught to meditate, then yeah, there'd be be no
0: war in like a two generations or something. Yeah, exactly. So I think
1: you know, it's so important to you know educate. Our children to you know Absolutely. have that sort of em- emotional intelligence, but um, you know for me, I'd like to sort of
0: yeah.
1: have it as as a as the whole family understanding why why they're doing it. So yes, yeah, so I am going to yeah. run some courses this year, but you know I do a few voluntary things as well, um, but I don't um, I don't have a, a business model no. per se for it. I just I like to. I like to just talk about it and and write, and, about and, it, and write about it and spread the benefits of it. I just yeah. know how powerful it's been for me and the journey that I've been on. And it's just important. I started the Facebook groups. So it's just important for me to kind of share that. Yeah. Because otherwise I thought, well, I, I've kind of been through all this and, you know, for, not for nothing because obviously it's helped me incredibly. Mm. But I just think if more people talk about it, yeah, the less Stigmatized, it it becomes.
0: Absolutely, I mean, I um, I went through it. My personal experience was Mm. the change was so profound for Mm. me. And I mean, I didn't have the terrible kind of panicking anxiety that you had. But I went through some. You had
1: your own.
0: Yeah, I had some dark periods Mm. on a on a kind of almost a regular basis, Mm. pretty much throughout my entire life. Mm. And um, there were kind of moments where I, I just didn't want to go on. And then when I started it down this course of kind of, I call it my recovery, but actually it's just, you know, i I've discovered mindfulness one way or another. And it took a while, but not as long as I thought. And it, looking back, it seems like it's almost like a light bulb went on. Mm-hmm. And suddenly this whole idea that, you know, we do have a say over how we feel and what what we're thinking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not just about the outside world impacting on us. We We get to we're in it, we get to control who we are yeah, and what we do. Yeah, absolutely. And that's very empowering. And I think that's why it became such a big theme in my, in my first book, mm. you know, the whole idea about your own personal power.
1: Yeah, Because, absolutely. you know,
0: once you're aware of that.
1: I have an agency over your own thoughts. is yeah. um is empowering because I think a lot of people just allow their thoughts to drive them because that's where they think yeah, we absolutely. are. Our thoughts are our thoughts, and we just let them go where they want to go. Mm-hmm. But and,
0: and they're us as well. And they're
1: they're part of us. Yeah. Whereas you know, with with the the whole mindfulness ethos, it's about being able to sort of observe and give space, and you know, there's a slight detachment from those thoughts. Mm-hmm. And back to the thoughts, not facts. And I won't go into it again. Cause yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So okay,
0: so. Um, my little place of calm.com mm-hmm. yes yeah and then yeah. on facebook my yeah. little place of calm yeah fantastic cool well, thank you very much for that oh, i really you. enjoyed that and yeah, me too. you know i could go on for hours in lots of different directions but we haven't me got too. hours yeah so but <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad we finally managed to do it yeah so thank, you, thank all you so much we no thank it. you chris I hope you enjoyed that conversation I certainly got a lot out of it Um, I find chatting like this with uh, interesting people helps me get clear on my thoughts and gain a bit of clarity about what it is that I'm thinking some of the ideas that I've got so it's really useful and I hope it resonated with you as well if you want to find out more about Michelle you can check out her blog it's mylittleplaceofcalm.com And she's on Facebook too. She has a closed group where you can ask about anything to do with mindfulness. And that's um, My Little Place of Calm on Facebook. All right. And until the next time, have a great day. Cheers.